Today's guest is Melanie Curtin. Melanie is a writer, sex researcher, and the host of a podcast I just started to enjoy called Dear Men, How to Rock Sex, Dating, and Relationships on iTunes and all those other things. And I actually found out about it because she had me on recently as a guest on her show. I believe it was out on Friday. If you're listening to this after last Friday, then uh, yeah, it should be out. You could check that one out as well. We had a really fun conversation there, and we had a really fun conversation that you're about to listen to here. Yeah, I was really interested because, you know, I've spoken to a lot of sex experts, I mean, obviously, but what's unique about Melody is that she actually does research through uh, very well-collected data. And I didn't get to ask her about this, but I kind of assumed that she has studied something in terms of psych stats because I, I like a good study. I have appreciation for this kind of thing. Data. Love it. Awesome. So yeah, it was really interesting hearing what she had to say about all these questions that she's collected from her readers over the years and, and the conclusions that we could make. So I learned some great stuff from my own personal sex life and relationship life. I hope you do as well. And she also offers listeners of the Rwanda podcast a discount code on her course for men, which is the culmination of all of her research in practical tips for what will be useful for men who want to be good in bed with women. So you can check her course out at pleaseherinbed.com and use the discount code RUANDO, which you should know how to spell. And I know I said it like a sassy little whatever. Yeah. And then you could get $200 off and her, her podcast again is Dear Men and her website is melaniecurtain.com. So those are all the things you need to know. Thanks for listening. And oh, oh, one little thing for me, I uh, realize I'm trying to get better at being visible and marketing and all that stuff. So if you do listen to the show, if you do enjoy it, I would very much appreciate us uh, rating, sorry, words, a rating on um, iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or whatever you listen to fun stuff on. Right now, you're listening to episode 071, Melanie Curtin, Dear Men. You're listening to the Rwando Podcast, part of the Gotham Podcast Studio Network in New York, New York. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate it wherever you listen to podcasts. Awesome. Great to have you here, Melanie. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. I've been listening to your podcast uh, since the last week in which we met virtually. Um, and I've been, yeah, I've been excited to speak with you. Um, so you, other than a podcaster, you are a sex researcher. I think you're the first person who I've met. So uh, just so I can get to know and everyone else, can you like kind of take us through how you became a sex researcher and what you do now? Yeah, great question. Um, so I am a writer. That's my background. I have a master's in communication from Stanford and I've been a writer for a number of years and I would blog about sex and dating. And eventually I kind of wanted to know what the people reading my stuff, like whether they were having the same experiences as me. Because I, I was like, I don't think I'm the only person to ever have gone through this or to wonder, like, like just random example for me, uh, giving a man a blowjob is more intimate than having intercourse with him. And I was like, I wonder if other women feel that way. Like, it feels like a minority opinion, but I don't know. Um, so I would start doing polls and surveys and they, that sort of grew to the point where, um, I was getting like thousands of people responding to my research questions. And that's pretty um, unusual in terms of the data sets. If you look at the data sets for most sex research, there it doesn't include that many respondents. And your and, polls were through your blogging or is that? Yeah, I use a professional survey site to do the actual okay. punching of the data. Uh -huh. And I pay for that. Um, but yeah, the, the ins would be the articles and then people would take cool. the surveys through those. Yeah. Um, and I, I kind of like just expanded from there and um, I've created a course from my research um, mm -hmm. because I want it to be practical and applicable, not just I have thousands of data points and I'm doing nothing with them. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I've tried to kind of keep it in the realm of usefulness. Gotcha. That's interesting because the, the very first thing, my very first project, which actually went nowhere, was that I was with a female friend and we were trying to make like we're trying to basically take pickup artist advice and make it uh applicable for women meeting men and didn't really go very far but we did actually our, one of our most popular pieces of content was a two-question poll that we did with a bunch of people which was one do you think you're attractive and two how do you know and everyone thought they were attractive and but women and men had completely different answers and they every Every man, this is the why one bit of research. Every man said, I know because, and then he would bring like 
well, more than half the time when I ask someone out, they say yes or something like that. And then every woman had something more internal, like, oh, I feel it. Or I look at my, it was like completely, it was just like, oh, that was interesting. But then the blog. Yeah. <laughs> I really, I, can you send me the link to that after? <laughs> Cause I would, I don't know if it exists anymore, um, but, but that's basically the gist of it. No, it was uh, it was a written piece of content with a two question poll. <laughs> well, if you come across it, I love data, so I would love to see that. But that is a really good example of the. I think the most fascinating part, like the most fascinating things to me in my research, have been when there has been a very s- strong gender divide of mm. like men clearly answer this, and and usually I find it breaks down to eighty twenty. So like eighty percent of men fall into this bucket and 20% have other answers Mm -hmm. and same with women because I am just fascinated by how we're having different experiences of the world like that's so interesting to me um and like like one example is um I asked people um well first of all I asked people have you ever broken up with someone because of sex and um I have and I we can talk more about that um but the surprising thing to me was that, um, again, sort of like things that you don't expect, like you wouldn't necessarily have expected men and women to differ in those questions that, that you asked. Um, I expected there to be more men that said yes than women, because I feel like we're taught like sex is really important to men. It's arguably more important to men than women, blah, blah, blah. So I asked this question and 49% of men said, yes, I've broken up with someone because of the sex. And I was like, oh, the number for women will be like 30, 35, something like that. Yeah, it was 61%. And you know how there's, so I give, I usually give people, if I'm going to do a closed ended question, I'll give people an other category, right? And for this one, it was 61% of women said yes. And there was a number, a 3% number that said other. And the, the majority of those were, I've never done it before, but I'm thinking about it right now. Interesting. I think we could put those in the yes category. Yeah. So the number's more like 64% of women, which is like two thirds, like close yeah. to two thirds of women. That's a huge number. And some of them were marriages. Cause I was hmm. reading through, I did a bunch of open-ended questions in that same survey. And I got more interesting information about like the why, and I would never have expected that. And the, yeah, the, um, there were several things like that in my research that I came across that were clearly different than I had expected. And that differed dramatically between men and women. And just so we're clear on, like most of my research is of heterosexual men and women. So men who have sex with women and women who have sex with men. That's generally like what I'm pulling out of the data. Um, But everyone is welcome in my surveys and I do have other data as well. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's interesting because actually we were talking about this uh, when I was on your podcast about like, uh, well, we didn't go into it too much, but um, I think for many men, the sex is almost like a binary, like, am I having it or not? Like, like, because this is actually interesting in one of the episodes I listened to, it was like you and I think your girlfriend's talking about receiving oral. And um, I was like, as I was going to ask you on this, it's like, obviously men talk about sex, like I talk about sex with my guy friends, but never, never, quali- very rarely qualitatively. It's always like, what did, did she do? It? What did we do? I mean, it was like kind of like the material facts, like how, like how many things did this happen? How many times did this happen, et cetera? You know, what, what was your body like? Stuff like that. We never speak about, like, I would never use the word exquisite. Like someone was saying exquisite over and over again. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, I know what she's talking about, but I wouldn't even have thought this way. And I talk about sex all the time. <laughs> uh, so I thought that was really interesting. Okay. Um, but here's a question because this comes up in my research sometimes. Have you ever gotten a bad blowjob? Yes. Okay. What made it bad? Uh, a lack of enthusiasm from her. Or just she that, didn't want to do it. That comes up in the research a lot hmm. from Ben. Like mm-hmm. like bad, bad uh, oral, which I think, uh, I think that I'd have to do a survey, but I think that women think, oh, if he's getting a blowjob, he's happy. Like hmm. all blowjobs are created equal. Like, this isn't very fair, but like men aren't that complicated. As long as he gets, he's getting a blowjob, he's happy. And the truth is when you look at the research, like he's not happy if she's not into it. Mm-hmm. And, and that comes up on the women's side too. Like, if mm-hmm. you don't want to go down on me, don't go down on me. Like, yeah. like, I have this huge book of research and I like got really granular with 
women about what makes a man good in bed. And when we got to the oral section, my friend and I were parsing the data and putting it into different categories. And that came up over and over and over. Like, if it's obligatory, like, please don't do it. Hmm. And I feel like it's the same on the man's side. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any, um, like, other really surprised? Or, like, what are the other key points? I'm sure you get asked this all the time that you're like, oh, wait, this is what makes a man good in bed to women. Yes. Well, I didn't. And that's exactly what this entire book of research is about. Okay, gotcha. (laughs) Um, But I think that the, um, like, the thing that I would want to touch on before that is um, I came across this, this, thing in the research called the divide. I named it the divide because I, um, what was I asking men and women? Oh, I was asking men and women, like, um, have you ever talked to your partner about sex? Like I was, was, it was sort of a section about talking to your partner about it. And, um, or no, I'm sorry, that's not the right question. The question was, because this is what was unexpected to me. I was asking people, um, what's one thing you wished you could have said to a past partner? And I try to keep things really open-ended. Like I didn't ask, you know, one thing you wish you could have told your last partner or your most important partner. I just left it open-ended. Like what's one thing you wished you could have told a past partner? Because usually the most emotionally um, significant thing is the thing that comes up when a question like that's asked. And this was very, very uh, clear in the research. The men Many of the men, not all of the men, many of the men said, I wish you could have told me what to do. I wish you would have told me what you needed. I wish you would have told me what you liked. I needed you to tell me how to do this. I needed you to tell me how to be better. Like a lot of the men were talking about what they wish they could have said to their woman was like, you got to help me out here. Like, I need you to, I need you to tell me what's working. Tell me what's working. Tell me what's not working. I need you to tell me. So that's the men, like, I need you to tell me. And the women, like, all of the women, not all the women, but, like, 80-20 of the women were like, I wish I could have told you what I needed. Hmm. I wish I could have told you how I like it. I wish I could have told you what was working, and more importantly, what wasn't working. I wish I could have told you. So I was really interested in this because it was it was very, very clear. Like, this was a divide. The men were not saying, I wish I could have told you what I needed. And the women were not saying, I wish you could have told me what to do. That was not happening. And so I, I did kind of like an informal poll. And basically, like, there were four reasons why this was going on for the women. And, the, and like, the way that I, like, kind of broke it down was, like, the things that she was afraid he would say if she spoke hmm. up, right? Like, if I tell you, like how like the way that you're fingering me like is kind of painful. It's too, it's too much. This is the first one is mine, which is I'm afraid that the man is going to say, well, fuck you then. You don't like the way I do it. Fuck you. I'll never do it again. And like basically get angry with me and withdraw. That's like Hmm. fear number one. Fear number two, which I think actually more women have than, than mine is um, he won't say anything. He'll just like quietly withdraw. Like he won't, he won't lash out, but he also will just kind of like quietly withdraw and eventually. Because he feels like a failure. Yeah. Like, because, so like, if you ask people, because I I did ask people, if you ask people the surface level reason that everyone says that they don't talk to a partner about what's not working is I didn't want to hurt her feelings. I didn't want to hurt his feelings. Hmm. That's like the number one thing that they say, but these deeper reasons that I'm giving you are underneath that. Of like, okay, but what would happen if you hurt his feelings? What's the next level of, of, of what you're really afraid of? Because, yeah, of course, we're all afraid of hurting someone's feelings, but there's almost always something else underneath that. Like mine is like, I'm actually afraid of being attacked. That's what I'm afraid of. Hmm. I don't like hurting people's feelings, but that's really the fear. Mm-hmm. And then the second one is the withdrawal. And, and over and over, what the women said was, like, I'm afraid he'll withdraw and, like, be quiet and just, like, just leave. Like, eventually leave the relationship. Like, it will cost me the relationship. Um, the third one was, like, uh, slut-shaming, basically. Like, I'm afraid he's going to think that I'm kinky and that I'm, like, too sexual or, like, whatever. Like, that was, like, a less popular response, but it's absolutely still there. And women are definitely afraid of sharing what they really want sexually or what's not working because they're afraid of being 
being shamed essentially. Um, and then like the last one is I'm afraid that he's going to say you're too much work. It takes you too long to come. Like you're, Mm -hmm. you're way too, you're too difficult. Like, why aren't you easy? Like my last girlfriend, like a lot of women are really, really afraid of being called broken. That's a word that came up again and again on the women's side that I don't think ever came up on the men's side. And I've talked to a lot of people. So I don't don't think that is as much a male fear as a female fear. Yeah, it's interesting because everything, all the four things you mentioned, when I hear it from obviously my male brain, I'm like, oh, this all comes down. If I I were to ever have a response like that, it's because I'm afraid of being incompetent, whether I get angry or pull away and leave or I forget what the last two are but like they're all like related it's like I don't want to be not good at stuff and I'd rather I yeah, it's like the worst feeling for most guys totally and I feel like I've I've said this a number of times but I feel like a man's deepest fear is not being enough and a woman's deepest fear is being too much yeah (laughs) we're like so we're too emotional we're too like vulnerable if we're sexual we're too sexual it's like we're afraid of being too much and and mo- many men are afraid of not being enough that's not i mean like there are women that are afraid of not being enough too and vice versa but right generally speaking it feels like if you're really going to cut to the core of it mm-hmm. yeah why do you think um for both men and women that all the focus was on the woman's experience um so first of all i should say that 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 the divide that I talked about that was like that was the main thing that came up 40 to 60 percent of responses were about that but there were a lot of men who also said what they needed to tell their partner was like I need more like I need more like I'm not getting enough I need I need more um so it wasn't the only thing that men said but I think this is maybe a good segue to like the because we touched on porn in the episode that you and I did for my podcast. Um, but I think this is a good sort of segue to porn of like, because I, I think that two things, first of all, I think that women are harder to fuck than men. And I say that based on a couple of, um, bisexual people who like wrote me and were like, listen, I have sex with both genders and I'm telling you women are more complicated. They are more complicated. Um, but the other thing is I think that generally men are getting their sexual needs met more than women. And I'm sure you've heard of the orgasm gap, but like, Mm -hmm. like legitimately, like more men are having orgasms than women. And I think that the origin of a lot of that issue is porn, because Mm -hmm. I think that men are shown the wrong thing in porn. They think that it works, they do it. And the women are too afraid to speak up because of all the reasons we just mentioned. I can't tell you how many times I have had sex with a man and like what he's doing isn't working and I'm way too afraid to be like, ow, like that actually hurts. That actually hurts. And when I ask people about like their number one sex problems, women's number one sex problem is pain. And that just doesn't come up on the men's side. Like they'll talk about stuff they don't like, but that's not their number one problem. Their number one problem is more like getting enough of it feeling like they're getting enough of it. Hmm. Um, Do you think it's, I mean, I'm wondering if porn, not only all the things we mentioned, but like it kind of lowers the bar for men's standard of quality again, because it's just like, if you get off complete, you know, that's pleasure, like satisfaction completed, you know? Yeah, I mean, I so I think that, I think a lot of the issue is uh, physiological. So the, the time that it takes a man to come to full physiological arousal, meaning, you know, you're hooking him up and all, all systems go, everything's got blood. It's, it's all ready. It's ready to have intercourse. It's seven minutes. How long do you think it takes a woman? Um, I'd guess 20 to 30. Right. So you would think it would be like twice or three times. It's 45 minutes. Hmm. 45 minutes is how long it takes a female body to come to full arousal. So like over and 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 over in my research, people talked about too hard, too fast. Women talked about too hard, too fast. Like, I think 
I think that's probably the biggest problem with porn is it's sort of like, like, I can't tell you, like, I'm a woman who watches porn. I don't watch a lot of it. I'm not, you know, maybe three times a month, but I watch enough of it and I'm old enough and I've been watching it long enough that I can tell you the script. And I can't tell you how many videos I've watched where like, like he pulls down his pants and he starts sticking his finger in her. And I'm like, ow, like that actually hurts in real life. Like, that's not like, I'm not even close to ready yet. Like I need, I just need way more warm up. Like, it's kind of like, if you're building a fire, you're, you're just like tr- lighting the log and like, okay, that's it. Like, no, like you have to like, you have to have tinder. You have to have kindling. You have to like coax it along and then the log lights. And I feel like that's the like biggest problem with porn is just like, this process takes longer if you actually want a female body to be aroused. But porn makes it look like it's two seconds and she's ready right. to go. Like it really, I really think that men believe that that's true. Like that's accurate because a lot of the women in porn are porn stars and that's how they're acting or right. they're cutting together the clip and like they're not showing a warm up part. But most times I'm like, they're not, there's no, like, that's not how it works. Yeah. And well, I know they have fluffers on men, set. Oh, yeah. They, they have fluffers like to keep yeah. them, to have them aroused before the cameras roll. For the men. I, I, I guess I know for the men at least. Yeah. Yeah. For the men. Mm-hmm. Cause they, cause it's about like keeping them hard or like getting them ready to have intercourse, but they don't, mm-hmm. I don't think they have them for the women. Hmm. Cause you can just put lube on and there you go. Like, hmm. <laughs> which yeah. is, I don't know, maybe part of the problem but I feel I feel bad for men because what happens is they they watch hours and hours and hours of this I mean this is their primary sexual education this is the reason that I made my course because I was like there's got to be another option for guys because this isn't what is true but it's their primary sexual education they go out they do it and they think it's working because women right. are so scared to speak up which is part of what my research shows like they're so scared to speak up that they just back away slowly like like a lot of like a lot of women when they were talking about like they split up with someone because of sex they were like I've tried to talk about it I talked about it a few times and then I gave up like and then I gave up the gave up part like and I've done that like I did that with a guy that I dated where again this comes up a lot but like he he fingered me too hard like it was just too hard and too too much pressure too fast and when I tried to tell him I said like hey I would love like lighter touch like I feel more when it's lighter and he adjusted for about two minutes and then he went back to the way he was doing it and when I went through the research this was very common woman after woman talked about that of like I spoke up and it worked for like a little while or maybe it worked for that encounter and then by the next one it didn't it wasn't working anymore he, he wasn't adjusting because he's been having sex this way for his whole life right this is right. How, he, how he fingers this is how he goes down on her this is how he has sex um And women like talked about like, I don't want to be a nag. Like, I don't want to every single time I feel like I'm, first of all, I feel like I'm criticizing him. So that fear of like, fuck, if I say something again, he's going to think I'm too much. Like he's going to, he's going to leave. Right. Like the risk is really high. So like, I'll just, I'll just grin and bear it. I'll just tolerate it. And so these men go through their whole lives, not really knowing what's going on. Yeah, and men are supposed to be less plastic in terms of their sexuality, which is why I see so many more. This is not a defense for guys who don't change, but I think it is probably harder for men to adjust, especially if they've done the same exact thing, the same pressure their whole life. Um, yeah. Wait, what do you mean by plastic? Was that- uh, like, like it's harder to. Uh, I might be using the word in the wrong way, but like it's like um, males across different species. Um, once their sexuality is formed, usually when they're young, it's hard for them to change. Like I heard this. Uh, I don't, you may have heard this, like uh, they did an experiment with goats and sheep, um, where they separated. They separated. I, I learned this from Chris Ryan on his show, but um, he uh, they separated goats and sheep, and they put the males with the male sheep with female goats, and vice versa. And like right. they grew up through puberty, so even though they're not exactly the same species, they ended up like you know mating or attempting to. And then afterwards, after like a period of being with the wrong species, they put them back with the original species. And the females of both species went right back to being attracted to their species, which is what they, you know, they could actually reproduce. But the male goats and the male sheep were like, no, I just, I like the, I like, the male goats were like, well, no, I like sheep. I'm not into goats. Like, that's, and they, they're kind of stuck that way. And this is one of the, the you know, justifications for the idea that in, with humans, males have fetishes way more 
often than women. I don't know if this is true. This is all stuff I've heard on podcasts, but like, sure. um, like well, males, uh, always tell the truth. So there's that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's something around the, the male brain, even not just human male brains. Like once it gets stuck on something, it's kind of like, it's less uh, able to adapt. That's fascinating. Yeah. And yeah. I think that is the right word. Cause you're talking about neuroplasticity, right? Like mm-hmm. how, how changeable is a certain brain. Right. Um, it's really interesting too, because I feel like in your work, you do help men expand their sexual capacity. It's harder though. And I was, I was speaking with another man, men's coach who used to work with women. And he said like, it is harder because like, like women usually, if a perspective changes, they usually can get it. And like, they're just different. And then like men, like sometimes if you tell them the same thing and like, that's a, it's like, yeah, it is harder. I would say. It's harder. It's slower. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. been my experience. It takes longer. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's, pretty true in terms of the coaches that I've talked to as well yeah and actually so my original background way back in the day was I worked with survivors of sexual abuse Hmm. to stop sexual abuse and um I mean I worked with more than just survivors we basically we organized um activism and outreach to train mothers on signs and symptoms and so I would go to speaking engagements sometimes and what I found was that generally um at the end of a talk or whatever, women would raise their hands and ask questions about what I had said, right? Like the content and men would generally raise their hands and like push back about something. Like, I don't believe this is true. Or like, like women would kind of take what was given and then, and then run with it and like want to advance in it. And a lot of the men were like, well, I don't think that's accurate. I don't think that's the case or I don't think that's true. And it was sort of like, well, I was there. So <laughs> I feel like we can. Yeah, just like, uh, yeah, I, I mean, this is obviously a huge generalization and might even get philosophical, but like, um, it does seem there's something more, or like masculine driven paradigms are more like in keeping things the same, like they don't want to change the reality. Like if you look at politics, not to go into politics, but like conservative paradigms are typically more masculine or they appeal to testosterone driven individuals more. And then like when you look at things that are hard to nail down in concrete, let's say astrology for like a, a big example certainly more feminine people are seem to seem to be into it. So sure. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, you're right. Like if you look at the duality of masculine and feminine energies, masculine is about structure and feminine energy Mm -hmm. is about flow. So it's not right. Not as rigid. Yeah. I want to go back and ask you something about porn because I've, this is something I've wondered. I wonder if you have research on it, how much women's sexual preferences or expectations are molded by porn, but also more specifically by the men they slept with when they were younger who watched porn. Because this might, I don't know if you have a research question on this, but um, a lot of women that I've been with, especially when I was younger, who were younger, let's say early 20s, um, would ask me to come on them. And it was around the time where I was getting off of porn. I was like waking up to some of the things you're talking about. I was like, oh, like, why am I having sex with, like a porn person all the time? Like, why am I trying to do that? And then like, I'd be so shocked when a woman I was with, like, I was trying to, like, you know, be there and do all the things I learned. And, like, she'd be like, oh, I want you to come on me. It's like, why do you want me to do that? Like, that's not, how is that pleasurable to you? But I've heard that from so many female friends from other women. It's just, like, a thing they like. And I wonder if you had, I don't know, I wonder if there's any data on that. Specifically, yeah. but also in general. Yeah, I don't have any specific data on um, women's, like, experience of porn or women's usage of porn. But I have looked at other people's research. And I can say, like the rates of women watching porn are rising like every single day. Like it's basically like, I think I looked at a, a research study and it was something like 86% of men have looked at porn within the last week and like 34% of women or something like that. And that was up from like 18% five years ago. That's like double, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that's dramatically more. Um, and who knows, like that wasn't specific to like how many times, how many, you know, just have you watched it in the last week? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that I think that um, it's it's sort of like pervasive, right? Because if you're a hetero woman having sex with hetero men, then you're you're generally following the same script because that's what they're doing, right? Like, oh, this is like like they'll push your head down, and be like, oh, this is the part where you go down on me, like, and then we have intercourse, and like 
I, I lick my finger and stick it up you because I don't really know that like women get wet another way. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's actually not, <laughs> um, you know, how you do it. If she's turned on, there's lubrication. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. I feel like, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like anal sex, for example. I feel like anal sex has become much more predominantly, um, done in our culture and a lot of that has to do with porn they did a really i don't know if you followed this but they did a really interesting um they did a porn education class for teenagers in i think it was new jersey um and it was basically like porn literacy i think was the name of the class and they were teaching the, the kids like people in porn get paid like they get paid more for certain acts did you know that like, and there were all of these pre and post surveys that they did with the kids about just how much they knew about it, but also their attitudes about porn. And um, there were things like, like there were girls that were like, well, yeah, you have to do anal if blank. And they were like, okay, let's like, let's back up. Like, what does that mean? You have to like, well, if you're not going to do this, then you have to do that. Like they had these beliefs hmm. around stuff that I think is. I don't know. It's, it's just, I think it's changing a lot of our sexual behavior, including what you're talking about of like women who are like, I want you to come on my face, like, because they've seen it because other guys have asked them to, because other men have found it pleasurable, like who knows, but it's definitely informing our sexual culture, like crazy because the numbers are just so ridiculously high. And like I said, the truth is like, this is why I feel for men because they're not getting accurate information. The women they're actually sleeping with aren't don't feel safe to share with them what what their actual experience is. And like part of what I teach is sort of helping like training men into how to invite women to share, like how to invite us out to make it safe for us instead of expecting like because I feel like a lot of guys are like, "Oh, if something's wrong, she'll tell me." Like if something's not working, like she'll definitely speak up. No, I can tell you that. I'm looking at the data. Like, she will not. She will grin and bear it. She won't tell you. The only women who will tell you are cougars. And God bless cougars, because I've had multiple men be like, I got the best sexual education of my life from this cougar. And I'm like, bless her. Like, she is doing God's work. (laughs) Yeah, I actually, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was uh, giving a talk to men. No, I was giving, I I have a few. I was giving a talk to guys, mostly younger guys in Miami last year. I don't know how we got on this topic, but I, I, I spent like half of my talk talking about how if you're a younger guy, the best thing you can do is sleep with an older woman because she will teach you the things that the younger woman won't tell you. And um, I had many little stories, but like, yeah, it was like, yeah, it was better than any workshop, better than anything because it was real, but she actually gave me real feedback from an emotionally secure place. There was no fantasy of like getting married. So it was like, this is what we're doing. Either you're pleasing me or you're not. And this is the deal. And that right. was great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I, I, God bless cougars. Like I I really, (laughs) so interestingly, I don't know if you knew this, but there, there's a tribe. I don't know if they still do this practice, but there was a tribe in Africa where when a boy came of age, so 13, 14 puberty, the, so three older women of the tribe would kidnap him, kidnap him, take him away for three days and teach him how to have sex. and. It, it was either this tribe or another related tribe where um, water was a big issue for them and the, the stream like continuing to run was was important. And they equated it with a woman, uh, female ejaculation, like a woman being able to squirt. So in their culture, if a man couldn't help a woman squirt, he couldn't have her squirt, he was considered a failure. So imagine culture around that. Like, what's your incentive? <laughs> Versus our culture, which I think kind of lifts up male sexuality, especially something like porn. Like, what's the end of every porn is like him coming. That's the end. That's the money yeah. shot. It has nothing to do mm. with her pleasure at all. Like, most women don't have orgasms in porn videos, at least the ones that I watch. Some do, maybe, sometimes, sort of, kind of. But really, it's like, script, 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 script. He has an orgasm. And yeah. that's the end. Yeah. I mean, that's some pressure, <laughs> that kid. Well, I mean, I'm sure it's a bit, it, yeah. Like, they take 72 hours with this boy becoming a man, and they teach him right. how to do it. With, like you said, it's like if you had three 
three cougars doing it for three days, like we're going to help you. We're going to show you, we're going to teach you. We're going to be with you. We're going to help you. Like that's really valuable. And I think we would live in a totally different, we would live in a totally different world if that was true in our, in our culture. Because like I said, I think, you know, just the, like every, did you ever see the reader? Did you ever see the reader? There was this movie and it was about this older woman in Germany who kind of like took this like teenage boy under her wing and started sleeping with him. Maybe that's not the right phrasing under her wing, but he was like 16, starts sleeping with this older woman. He comes up to kiss her this one day, like early when they start sleeping together and she goes slow. And I was watching this movie with a friend of mine, a girlfriend of mine, and she goes, and my girlfriend turns to me and she goes, oh, he's going to be good. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah, like, like, I just imagine, um, I mean, yeah, I just imagine like those women teaching those boys to like slow down, like slow down, like, and then teaching them again, like for three days, (laughs) this is how slow, and you can build up to fast, you can build up to fast but you better be starting slow or like she's definitely not going to score. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I have theorized that like the popularity of the whole MILF thing in like the last couple of decades, I mean, obviously it's the term from this American pie, but like, uh, I think it's like something that young men are craving unconsciously, like education from someone older. I mean, who else has that experience? And who's um, not afraid to express herself. Cause I feel right. like the masculine craves, expression from the feminine like that's like the that's the craving that's what's so beautiful about the feminine and so like women that are reserved or that are holding back or that are scared or that are you know closed aren't as exciting like I think that's I think that's part of why and I think men have wanted older women forever like that's that's an archetype of like it's super sexy younger women are sexy too it's both ways but there's Mm -hmm. definitely always been like a fantasy of the older woman and, but I think you're right. I mean, if I imagine being a guy, I'm like, that's going to go well for me. <laughs> yeah. like that's going to be a really good ex- experience. And I'm not necessarily going to have to worry so much about doing it right or like performing because she's going to be taking the lead. Like that would be my part of my fantasy of it is like, oh, I yeah. get to relax a little bit and not have to do everything. Yeah, I'll speak to, I mean, I won't go into the details, but like one experience I'm very grateful to have had with an older woman over a period where I learned a lot. It was like, she didn't explicitly tell, every once in a while she would, she didn't explicitly tell me, do this, do that. It was something in like, she was so, the only way I could explain it is that she was so secure in her femininity that I just felt like the friggin' man. And like, somehow that made me know what to do down to like, as specific, like, my erections were harder than with other women. Like I could last longer. Like I kind of knew, I didn't question what I was doing. Like I kind of knew exactly what it was. And like, it was almost like playing, playing a video game on easy mode. Like, like she was so, yeah, yeah just like, but and then, and then I go to someone else. I'm like, Oh no, that wasn't me. That was her. Damn it. <laughs> like I thought, I thought I gained something there. Like, no, I need to practice more. Anyway. Um, yeah. I think there's something to that. I feel like that's such a good point though, because it really is the kind of like alchemy that happens between two people. And if you think about just mirror neurons, like if she's really relaxed and in her body and knows her body and is taking her pleasure, of course your mirror neurons are going to be more relaxed Mm -hmm. because we connect with each other. It's limbic. It's like your body was more relaxed because you were around her body, which was more relaxed. If you're around a woman who's tight and not tight, like the way that we use it for vaginas, but like wound up. Um, yeah like wound up like holding trauma because most women are holding trauma if they haven't done mm-hmm. trauma work it's like i'd say 95 percent of women are holding trauma and it's 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 being held in the cells of the body so if if she's tight and you know maybe in her head of course that's gonna affect you <laughs> of course it is mm-hmm. especially yeah. when you're when you're intimate versus like i like i like that um analogy of like doing it in easy mode like a video game on easy mode because like oh this just feels more natural it feels more intuitive it feels easier I feel you know harder like it's just it's easier yeah and I was actually because I I work with a lot of guys who have psychogenic issues like premature ejaculation or they can't get it up kind of things um 
And sometimes women have asked me like, well, what do I do if I'm with a guy? And I would say something like, you know, be supportive, stuff like that. And then um, I was actually in my head with my current partner. It was maybe a couple of months ago and she was trying to be supportive. And then it finally clicked in my head. Like, I don't need her to help me figure it out. Like I want to, I want to like, there's nothing to figure out, right? I just need to land back in my body. But the best thing she can do for me or what best thing I think a woman can do for a man who's in his head is just like sink into that femininity because that'll kind of like straighten him out. Again, words maybe don't need to be exchanged. Yes. I listened to one of my teachers is John Wineland. I think you probably Mm -hmm. know him. And he he got that question of like, what should what can a woman do when her male partner is um, like can't get it up or is cream dark dash, all that stuff. And one of his main points was like, like sink into her hips, like be re- like move the energy down, like your mm. energy needs to be down and like touch his, like touch his hips, like touch, like bring the energy down, like, but be really in your body and with him in his body. Definitely don't talk about it. That was his advice. <laughs> like, this is not a time to talk about it. Like, we're mm-hmm. because also because words kind of bring you out of your right. body in many ways so I thought that was really cool I was like that's cool I wouldn't have thought to phrase it like that but it's like yeah like bring the energy down bring it into your hips bring it into your hips and his hips like even just energetically like but be like be in your body be in your pleasure that's like one of the best things you can do rather than like like trying to like make it better or like caretake or like you know like don't do that (laughs) right right that's not gonna help uh, you know, I, t- I totally forgot we were wearing these glasses. <laughs> uh, Can you explain them? I don't uh, know. Yeah, well, for those watching, if, if you're just listening, we're both wearing blue light blocker glasses. Uh, right now, it's nighttime for you, and I believe I assume you're wearing them so you can sleep easily I am. later. Yes. Yeah, I have them because my eyes are sensitive. Um, but yeah, I totally forgot that we're wearing them. They're not sponsors or anything like that. They're just <laughs> we're just wearing them. Um, it makes I do want to get to like nerdy okay. in a way, though, like. Yeah, it's great. Like we're so everything's so orange. Um, I, I did want to ask you something actually for me because I'm in a committed relationship for the first time in a while, and like as far as I am aware, I know how to keep someone interested in me. I've spent a lot of time in that. My fear is that I lose interest, specifically with sex, like sex reducing over time. I'm sure you have data about that. I'm curious what your advice is of like staying, keeping the sexual frequency, the sexual interest. In, and especially I'll speak for myself. I'll call myself out. Like I've always been so driven by novelty and the seduction phase and the honeymoon phase. And I've not been historically great <laughs> afterwards. And I'm wondering what you have on that. Yeah. So I actually think that a lot of this particular issue is not about the sex. Um, I actually think it's about the intimacy and I think a lot of people like equate intimacy with like sweetness and light and flowers and, and joy and rainbows. And like, that's not actually uh, all of what intimacy is. So I knew someone, for example, who um, when he would kind of like start losing interest with a feminine partner, he would um, he would have her lay down on the bed uh, without clothes and then he would put his hands on her stomach and he would say what aren't you telling me hmm. or what are you afraid to tell me hmm. and there was always something and they would sometimes switch as well but the 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 energy that gets built when two people who know each other share real truths is very hot like it might be um scary it is scary it's fucking scary but that's where actual intimacy is is like what are we not talking about what are we not dealing with where is the little hurt or the little resentment that you have or i have that we didn't share and i think that's especially relevant for the feminine because um i've done research on vaginismus which i don't know if your audience is familiar yeah. but it's oh, like you can you explain it yeah it's like when a woman um when a woman's vagina kind of like closes up like a um like a clamp like it just closes up and um there's there's a bunch of research and and stuff about 
about it as a clinical issue, but my experience and one of my friends went through it and said it felt like knives in her vagina, like intercourse felt like knives in her vagina. But when we like really broke it down, it was the accumulation of a lot of little resentments in the relationship that never got dealt with. So she, her body closed a little bit every time, like closing, 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 closing. And like, ultimately like wouldn't open to him at all, even though consciously she was like, God, I'm such a bad wife. I should, I should be able to have sex with my husband. Why can't I come like other women? Like consciously, a lot of the women that have this issue are not um, thinking they're not conscious of the resentments necessarily. Um, But anyway, so my point is, I think that the sexual chemistry and sexual fire has a lot to do with the truths that are between two people. And that, that kind of intimacy only grows over time because you get to know your partner better and better. Like that it's like, and the stakes go up, right? If you, if you are really into this person, you don't want them to go away. So it's even scarier for you to share something that happened or, a small hurt or something like that. Yeah. Like I'm already noticing like the four things you said, women are afraid to share. Like I'm already noticing I have those fears right now. <laughs> like, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I, and like, you know, like one of the first parts of my course is sort of like teaching men how to cross the divide. I call it crossing the divide of like how, do you, okay, fine. So there's this divide and women are terrified to tell you the truth. How do you cross it? And um, a large part of it is just like, I call it holding the pose, like holding the pose of like explicitly saying to your partner, I always want to know. I always want to know if something's not working for you, if something hurts or just isn't working, I always want to know. Please tell me, like make it explicit and don't assume that you do it once and it works. Like you need to hold that pose over time because she's terrified. And by the way, mm-hmm. she's terrified for a reason. Like I'm looking at the research data and there are plenty of women who have been left or have had the man lash out. Like one woman was like, my husband would wait until we were in public and then shame me with whatever I had shared. I was like, holy shit. Like imagine, like how would you ever be, feel safe to speak up with another partner ever again? Right. <laughs> like if that was your experience, you know? And um, and I I would say that, doing my research has made me feel more empowered to speak up with men. And I've gotten a wide range of responses. Uh, Like some men really do get defensive right away and it feels bad. And I'm like, okay, I kind of like, this feels really bad. And other men like adjust right away. And they're like, thanks for telling me. I'm like, I'm definitely having sex with you again. Like I, um, yeah. 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 I don't, I mean, we're coming on the end of time, so I don't want to open a whole thing on myself. Like, in my relationship, this has actually come up a bit where like, I mean, we have an open relationship and in the past, her partners just treated her terribly when she shared the truth. So it's kind of like a big thing for me to encourage her to tell me the things that maybe will be upsetting, but they are the reason why she's afraid in the first place is that they are really hard to handle. Like it's like, sometimes they are at least. Um, and it is like, you both have to be committed, I guess, to the same level of growth. Otherwise, uh, yeah, someone also- might fall off. <laughs> I think this is the thing that I, I, I really want to be taught. I really want all this stuff to be taught in school. It's fucking time. This needs to be taught in school. Um, but one thing I think that can be helpful is like being honest about like, okay, yeah, that stings. And I'm glad you told me mm-hmm. so that like both things are put together instead of like pretending like it's fine. Like, Oh, okay. Okay. I hear you. I hear you. But like owning like, Oh wow. That's, I, I feel a little distressed. <laughs> And I'm really glad you told me. Yeah. Huh. Like the yeah. end feels important of like, like, you know, I think it's really, really important if a man does want a woman to feel safe, if she ever says anything, you have to say, thank you for telling me. Like you, if you want to hear again, like if you, if you ever want it to happen again, like you've got to say that and right. you've got to mean it. And in, I think in order to mean it, sometimes that first part has to come of like, wow, that's really hard for me to hear. And I'm really glad you told me. Yeah. Like those can coexist. Yeah. 
It would be great in schools. I mean, not just in not just in romantic relating, but like everything, if people could communicate that way. Um, yeah, yeah. Because ultimately, yeah. Like, when I looked at the 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 stuff about communication, I was like, this is the same reason it's hard to tell your boss something. It's the same right. reason to tell your coworker something. I'm afraid they'll lash out. I'm afraid they'll reject me. I'm afraid they'll get defensive. I'm afraid they'll punish me later. It's the same thing. It's the same. Like, I don't want to hurt their feelings. That's like the like, I don't want to hurt their feelings. Yeah, because of the response. Like, what are you, mm -hmm. like, what's underneath that? Yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming on. I feel like I have many more questions. We'll have to do this again sometime. Yeah, we should do it again. Yeah. Um, how can how can people find out more about your work? Um, yeah, so I have a website. Um, but I think the easiest thing is my course is called Please Her in Bed. And mm -hmm. it's at pleaseherinbed.com. That's pretty easy to remember. Mm -hmm. um, and I made you guys a promo code if you guys are interested. It's Rwando. Awesome. Cool. And it's for 200 off. So the course is awesome. Good. Cool. Rwando. Yeah. You know how to spell that if you yeah. Listen to it. <laughs> <Hopefully>. <laughs> um, and it's awesome. all based on the data. Gotcha. And uh, your podcast is Dear Men on iTunes and all the, all the good stuff. It's great. Oh, thanks. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, thanks so much. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. First podcast with blue light blockers on. I might do this all the time. <laughs> hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want to catch the rest of my work, go to rwando.com. Catch me on social media at rwando. And please do not forget to subscribe. <laughs>